This is the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan, where we interview local real estate investors and professionals to go over tips, tricks, and investing strategies to help you learn about the business and to enable you to achieve your financial goals. And now, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. Today, we're interviewing Evan Hun. Evan is a real estate agent and investor in the Bay Area. He's recently moved away from flipping homes to creating a business managing short-term rentals to maximize the cash flow output for Bay Area rentals. As you might know, it's been said that you can't cash flow in the Bay Area, but savvy investors like Evan are making it a reality. In this episode, you'll learn what it takes to create short-term rentals in the Bay Area, as well as what to look for when getting into this business. Enjoy. All right, Evan, thanks for coming on the show today. Can you go ahead and introduce yourself and let everyone know who you are and how you got into real estate? Uh, what's up, Sean? Thanks for having me. Um, man, how did I get in real estate? I would say back in college, um, when I first got my first job in, in, the, in the industry, is actually to do loans. And I, the first company I worked for is actually Fremont Bank. I'm not sure if they're still there, but um, I, Fremont Bank, and that is a mortgage brokerage company uh, rather than the actual bank. And that usually be a, a brokerage called Fremont Bank. And I was, I was like, man, how are these guys making all the money, right? And I was talking to some of my friends, and I, this guy makes a of money. So I got to meet a guy. His name is Shah Wakimi. Shah, shout out. Thank you. Um, I, I, I checked with Shah, and I was like, hey, Shah, do I, you know, I want to learn how to do mortgage. I want to get into this business. How do I get started? So Shah was like, okay, I'll show you how to, how to do it. Come intern for me. I'm like, sure, all right. So during my college time, and this is back in 2000, I was like, okay, I need a, I need a job. I need a job that paid, but I couldn't find a job but, uh, that, that I want to do, and I'm really interested in the real estate industry. So Shah was kind of like introduced me to the mortgage world. So he got me a cubicle, and he was like, I'm going to show you how to make quick money and good money. And I'm like, okay, what is that? And I was like, that's in loan. I was like, okay, how do I get leads? Where do I get business? And back then, it was like no training, man. There was like, there's no system. There's nothing like that. Uh, he just threw me in the corner and said, call all these people on white pages and ask them, refinance your home. And you remember back, 2000, um, back in 2000, everyone had a really high interest rate, you know, 10-plus percentage. And he was like, just, just call them, chance off, 50-50 they got a really high interest rate. Just offer them something good, right? And that's how I got started in this business. Very cool. So what are you doing now with real estate? Uh, fast about maybe 15 years after. I, I've been working on a lot of things, but what I'm working on right now, focusing on right now, is how to build a solid passive income model for someone, for my real estate investors. So I've been working with real estate investors a lot in the last five years, and these are the people that have gone uh, with me through from residential investment, you know, flipping homes all the way to buying commercial property, buying apartment building houses, all the way to retaining some of these assets. But when you're retaining some of these real estate assets, my focus right now is how do I maximize the, the, the passive income for them? And that's for myself as well. So I am building a perfect model that I truly believe in that can maximize their passive income and also help them get a better exit strategy in the down, and down the line as well. Okay. Can you elaborate more on that? What are you doing differently than just buying a property and renting it out to a long-term tenant? Correct. So a lot of people here in Silicon Valley, Shana, you know that the cost to buy a home here is very high. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And um, that's why the rent market is 43% versus uh, the own, owner-occupancy market, meaning that there's over 50% people own houses and they're still, you know, 40 plus percent people are renting, right? So how do you meet in the middle? And that's how you, when you figure out that formula, you make the money. 
right? So right now, buying a property in Silicon Valley, you have to find the one that's actually generating good income. And I'm, I was asking, like, some people, they work so hard on what they do. Like, I have some of my friends that work at Facebook, Apple, Google, whatever it is, and they make shit low of money in their stocks and things like that. But they, their stocks are not doing well. It's volatile. And, and, and some of these things, they need to figure out how to, you know, park their money and move their money somewhere. So a lot of them move into real estate, right? What they don't know is that when you move into real estate and, you know, taking it away from potentially can make X, Y, Z dollar, but they put it in real estate and they're renting to a renter uh, with a rental market, uh, three-bedroom, two-bath here in Silicon Valley, average is going around $3,500 a month. But if you take a look at their debt service and how much they have to pay and then repair and vacancy, they're really underperforming their, their, their money. Yep. You know, and given the market where we are today, we're talking about this, Sean, the market is somewhat, you know, shifting. It, it's not like what it used to. You can be really dumb and stupid and still make money in real estate. But with this market, you re- really got to figure out the long run. And real estate, you know, you know uh, the, the rule in investing in real estate is always five years plus. You can't just buy something and say, oh, I want to make a quick cash, right? I think that market is still there in some area. But in this time of the year, you really know how to invest in passive income. So back to what I was saying is that now I really focus on working with my investor, educating them on buying which property that can benefit, that they can generate the maximum uh, passive income. Right. I mean, that's the biggest problem. Like you said, $3,500 a month is nowhere near enough to buy a house. Like properties here cost at least a million dollars. Correct. The debt service on that is like over 5000 a month. Correct. Not including property taxes, not including, like you said, vacancies and repairs. So you're losing money every month. You're paying for someone else to live in your home. Exactly. So, so what do you do about that? That doesn't make sense. So why people still invest in real estate? Because real estate is still the most tangible assets they can hold on to. And hopefully one day it will go back up. And we happen to be in Silicon Valley where all these tax boom and all these tax expansions. People are now betting on the long run, but they're really losing on the short run. Meaning that the next five, six years, they are actually, you know, keep on putting money out of the pocket and just... Like you, like you say, paying for someone to live at your home. That's right. And that's why a lot of people are actually going out of state because they're talking about that cash flow dream. Correct. But the problem is I found that, especially after talking to so many investors, you don't actually make your money in real estate investing from the cash flow. You actually make it on the exit strategy, whether that's cash out refinance or that's selling the property. And so cash flow is really how can you hold on to the property until that exit. Right. So. So how do you do that in the Bay Area? So you really got to understand some of the financial calculation to really dig deep down into how well your real estate is performing. And I am actually putting together classes to really educate people on, you know, when people look at a what you mentioned earlier is people measuring uh, what's called cash on cash return and how much, let's say, one million dollars can make them X amount of cash flow annually. But if you really need to understand how real estate investment work, you really have to understand all the calculation, including you know, your net present value and your internal rate of return. I'm talking about the IRR. What is the IRR? IRR is a way of looking at your investment in a snapshot, in a time frame, a window time frame. Let's say I'm going to buy that real estate property uh, for a million dollars, and I'm going to hold it for five years, but I'm banking on the cash flow, but I'm hoping in five years I can get out this much, like the net proceed from myself is X amount of dollars. By calculating all that, how well am I performing in five years versus comparing to other investment? You know what I mean? I have some people that I actually plug in their number and they, they're performing way below inflation rate. They might as well just take that money and give it to the bank and they'll probably get even more money. 
That's true. Right? Yep. Just the same concept with someone and say, hey, look, you know, I can work for you but make X amount of dollars. I can go work for Starbucks and get paid more and with health insurance and things like that. So same thing with real estate investment. Why don't people think like that? You know, with your X amount of dollar, how well is your money performed over the five-year time frame? Let's talk about IRR real quick. Do you usually measure it on like a five-year basis so that all of your investments are kind of like standardized on five-year terms? Depends. Depends on the type of the property. And I do my IRR calculations based on all my investment, including residential, commercial property, multi-unit. Um, I usually use five years time frame because the type of investors that are actually going into the properties with me, and that's how long they like to kind of park their money for in five-year time frame. But for my personal investment, sometimes I want to leave it 10 years, or sometimes I want to leave it 15 years. Mm-hmm. So it all depends on the, the demand or the needs of that real estate investor. Like if I walk up to you and say, Sean, you have a million dollars. What are you looking to do? What's your yield? How much are you looking to make? Because I know you have other comparison. I know you can put in a CD for a lower rate. I know you can put into like a brokerage account for a little higher rate with low, a higher risk. Or you actually can, like you, you always do, private money lending and you can get a little higher rate, right? Six, seven, eight percent, whatever it is, but that's greater risk. So you really have to understand the real estate investor and what the yield they're looking for. Then I plug them in the project. I plug them into a property and I say, this is how well you're going to perform in five years. Gotcha. And from what you've seen, what is the current desired IRR? So the, the IRR return for me is I'm looking at 10% or better. Okay. okay. And what is that doing is that I'm calculating how much my passive income, my cash flow in five years, and how much in five years I can sell that for. If include all of that minus my debt service, and I'm getting 10% or better, to me, that's a, very good, that's a very good investment. But to someone else that listens to this podcast right now from another state, they probably think I'm stupid. You know what I mean? But here in Silicon Valley, you know that's a, that's a really good rate. If you're looking at commercial cap rate right now, cap rate is basically kind of measure your return on investment at one time, the acquisition time frame, right? So when people listen to us and like, oh, you know, Silicon Valley, your average cap rate that we're getting around here is about 4%, 4.5%. If you're lucky, if I've seen three. <laughs> exactly. And people are selling at 3% cap, and people are buying them, right? Uh, to me, it makes no sense. It makes no sense because, you know, why? Because the inflation is like 1.98. So you, you're not really performing that well. But someone's making money off of that. I always wonder who, who buys it and what happens. Like, My honest opinion is that people tend to look for places to park their money until they make the next move. That's why I have a, I have a quote that I always say, uh, you know, when I look at every single real estate transaction, I say no one smart enough to buy real estate and then just die with it. They always buy it, park it there, so they can wait for a better opportunity. Mm. Because real estate is somewhat more secure comparing to other financial investments. Yeah, I mean, I know people in China, they are not confident in China's economy. So they park their money in these like $5 million mansions in Arcadia, SoCal, and then they, let, they keep it empty. They don't even rent it out. It's just an empty mansion in Arcadia. There's a bunch of them. Isn't that crazy? I, I know a lot of cases like that. We, we, we're here near Palo Alto, and you can see the great example of Palo Alto market where the Chinese market came in and actually dominated that for like the last five, six years until recently where China bottlenecked the, the money that they were able to pull in and out of the country. So again, you see that, and you see the market slow down right away. So these are really the investors that kind of like inflated the market, in my opinion. But now finally I see that it's coming down to like a normal market. Interesting. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, and then those people, they don't care for the return. They just care for security. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. So you have to place value on their, uh, I would say, motivation for investment. So it's really important for me that every time I sit down with a real estate investor and say, what's your motivation? Because everyone has different motivation. I don't really go into and say, hey, what are, you, what are you looking to make? Hey, I'm not trying to sell you this property because you try to make X, Y, Z. But hey, you have different motivation than I do. Yeah. You know what I mean? So what's your motivation? What's your expectation? Because if you want to park property, yeah, I think parking in Palo Alto is probably the safest place. Yeah. Don't you think? And, there's, and it's it, better than parking in the bank because if you don't care about it for 20 years, like, exactly. it'll grow way faster in Palo Alto. Exactly. And you have estate. You have real, real property. Mm-hmm. That's why they call it real estate. Right, tangible assets. Cool. Let's go back to your your business, Property Hop. Do you want to talk about Absolutely. what are you doing with there? Um, so up to about eight months ago, um, I found a new company called Gold Property Hub. And the reason we found the company because we started this new uh, bulk of assets, basically real estate property that we wanted to perform in a short-term uh, sector. Basically, we found out that to perform at maximum income, you need to basically... Uh, rent at a shorter terms, basically day-to-day or 30 days plus. So, um, and you hear about Airbnb, VRBO, extended stay, uh, 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 home away and whatnot, and all these are overnight booming market, right? Um, So as a matter of fact, because of the cost of living here in Silicon Valley, and I'm I'm looking more on the macro level, micro level, uh, more specifically in the Silicon Valley market, and I do see that the supply and demand for the affordable housing were still way below. Um, So people are still looking to rent, but what if people are looking to do like a project, a short term, or they're on the business leisure, or they're here for an internship or anything like that, or a nurse, travel nurse is a big thing right now. Um, people from, let's say, Connecticut or Oklahoma, nurse, they actually come here six months out of a year and they make a lot more than working a whole year in Oklahoma or anywhere else. So these people need short-term rental housing. They can't just go out to a single-family home and rent it for a year, and they don't have the income to do that, nor they wanted to do that. So right now I'm looking for uh, the, and those are my audience, those are my customers that are willing to pay the higher rent. Right, so I I look I was looking for a company that can actually manage these short term assets, and I couldn't find a one that I'm satisfied with. So we found our own company with the technology. So Go Property Hub is born to manage short term and long term property management. But our focus right now is moving from our long term to short term to get that maximum uh, uh, passive income. So uh, the company is not your typical. Uh, property management company or assets management company, meaning that we're going to put you in the position that you can maximize the, the income, the cash flow, okay, by having what we call the GPH co- uh, hybrid model, meaning that we're renting it both to Airbnb and corporate housing, right? If the corporate come in and say, hey, I need it three months in a year or six months in a year, we'll rent it to them, right? But if we, during that time frame, if we can sell a room by room, we make the room daily rate, then we'll go with that and that whatever it is, give us a high yield. So that Go Property Hub is managing all those assets. Behind GPS, we own a cleaning company. We have a handyman company that we're filled with uh, that does all the service for all the property. That way, the property is always nice, neat, clean, and our model is providing quality homes away from home. Okay, cool. Do you guys get more returns with the corporate housing or with the individual selling it either room by room or bed by bed? Currently, with the uh, Airbnb, uh, which is day-to-day rental, we're performing about 35% above market rental, about 15 to 18% above corporate housing. But corporate housing is like 
you know, having 18 or 20 on blackjack is a guaranteed money. You just take it. Does that make sense? Yeah, because for a longer duration. Correct. For like three months. I don't have time. to go around and look for tenants in the next three to four months. Mm-hmm. I have a guaranteed income. So usually I get about 18 to 20% less comparing to uh, um, Airbnb rental. Okay. And do you do Airbnb rental? Is it, like you said, is it by room or is it by bed? Do you have a bunch of people in there? So we have a diff- uh, couple models. Uh, we have uh, executive models where we have the whole unit for rent or the whole room suite for rent. And we have a hybrid model where we have private rooms plus a common area, basically uh, um, a, a bed rental or a bunk bed rental, whatnot. So we'll cater to a different type of clientele. But our model is providing like a co-living space concept. Uh, you know, we like to call it a think tank, putting a bunch of people and live together and get to know each other. And, 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 and you, you, you find it very uh, interesting because some of the guests that we talk to, uh, they, they really from, you know, different part of the country and they're here just for work, and they need a place, a clean place that they can just crash for like eight hours a day and go back at it again. And so they won't, they don't really need much. They just need their clean bed. Mm-hmm. Do you have like separate locks for each door then that are all yes. you know, Bluetooth remote and stuff? We're we're backed by some some very high security system. We have automated automations uh, communication system where kind of talk directly to the guests and kind of check in with guests here and there. Every guest that check in, we generate a new code for them, and I will send them to their their room with the instructions, step by step instruction where the room is at and their code, and they can just access their room. Okay. What software are you guys using for all that stuff? Right now, uh, the back end, we're using uh, two different software. Uh, we're using Guesty. is one of the management channel management uh, system. Uh, they're actually very good, so shout out to Guesty. Um, and also, we use Propertyware uh, is to provide a owner portal for all investors to see you know, how their property is doing, you know, check their expenses, and things like that. Okay. It's like Guesty, like G-U-E-S-T-Y? Yeah, Guesty with a, a T-Y. Okay. Is there like a best location that you guys prefer to have your rentals at? Um, yes, we have some locations that we're going after, um, but the locations currently are anywhere that within the geographic of the airport, um, the high-tech companies, and uh, wh- wherever demand is at. So we have a way to run our compare market analysis. We usually go on uh, several different websites to run to see how much, you know, what kind of inventory is available in the area, what's the occupancy rate, how many days did they get booked in a month, a year, whatever it is, and kind of narrow down to the demand for that particular locations. So we're constantly looking up for deals. We have real estate agents that call us up, hey, you know, Evan, I got this property here and here. Are you interested? And I'll, I'll plug in my numbers and uh, to see whether or not that's a good acquisition for us. And we match that up with the right investors and do a cash flow analysis for them and say, hey, look, with this property at this acquisition price, X amount of down payment with this interest rate, this is how much you're performing in five years. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. I have a I have a question. Can we do an exercise right now? Like, how long does it take for you to generate like a basic model? Where you can do your comparative market analysis and say, okay, here's how much you can probably get for this this property. Yeah. Okay. All right, bro. So let's let's check out this property um, that we actually in contract. So coming from the background of real estate flipping, just like you are, your experience in real estate flipping, right? So I am trying to create a model that. I will make money both on flip and creating a tangible value for the next buyer to buy. Exactly, because I'm having this problem right now where yeah. I purchased a property, the market was hot, now the market cooled down, and it's like, oh damn, Like I need to find a way to hold on to the property or I need to find a way to sell it more than just as it is. You know, Maybe sell it, hey, here's rental potential if you want it. 
No, you're in for a treat. All right, I'm in for so, a treat. We're all in for a treat. So here's the thing, bro. Um, the remember I told you about eight months ago, a year ago, and I say real estate market for flipping is really going down because yep. of the. Uh, I wouldn't say the market's going down. I would just say the demand is different. You know, there's different breed now. Uh, for uh, uh, the interest rate still historical low, right? So we're, we're, why these investors not? Why some of these buyers are not buying? And IPOs coming up real soon too. Correct. Man. <laughs> boom, 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 right? So take a look at this flip, and I'm going to show you my basic calculation. I, I like to keep my numbers simple, right? And um, I'm not going to announce the property address, but we actually locked this deal down at 890000 Okay. Right? It's a duplex at a borderline of downtown San Jose and Willow Glen. Um, the property is, and I'm going to give you this golden nugget right now, um, we're going after property with illegal conversion because landlord is being sued left and right right now, and there are six-figure lawsuit. If the tenant sue you and you have an illegal conversion, you are 100% fault. Bottom line is that people have illegal conversion uh, garage, and they rent it out to someone. So if someone um, has an illegal granny unit, right? let's say a garage, detached garage conversion, and they rent it out to a tenant. And if a tenant sue the landlord, the landlord lose 100%. Jeez, that sucks. And it sucks. And uh, there's an ordinance that passed back in 2017. And uh, they actually now exercising it. I had a case where my seller, you know, went to the court with the tenant. And the tenant was a friend. And they just rented to a friend. And it was half cash, half whatever it is. All this ninja move, right? So uh, uh, the landlord obviously lost the case, and she was arguing, she was fighting, and the judges walked down to the aisle and just look at the landlord and say, look, lady, if you don't accept the settlement, we're actually going to take your house. The friend sued the other friend? Yeah. Wow. It happens. You know, you say, hey, it's illegal granny, illegal uh, conversion, but, you know, if you need a place to live, come live in my place. And if you, you know, and you're nice enough to let them rent and then end up getting sued by the city right, by the city law, the landlords lose 100%. Uh, the real estate agent came to us and said, Evan, we got a situation. The tenant sued the landlord and the landlord lost. And it was a detached garage conversion. And uh, the landlord lost. There's like 20 grand plus and there's still a ton, tons of other tenants that, you know, getting ready to, you know, you know what. Now, if they, need, if they hear about this, they probably end up, you know, doing more lawsuit. So, and then the landlord, the owner is pretty much freaked out and the owner is trying to sell it. And this house is a duplex with a crazy amount of, like, there, there was like a Mickey Mouse work done in the house. Everything was divided and illegal rental. Um, so, this guy needed to sell, so they came to us, and they thought, you know, they know that we're in real estate flipping market, and they were looking for a place to, you know, buy, fix it, and rent it, and that's what we promote our company to do, is to find a place, you know, buy, fix it, and rent it out, so we, we got in contract for eight ninety, and the, um, the rehab cost, and it's about 150000 and it's based on our calculations, um, and this is a live deal, right, so let's say my cost basis come out to be a million forty three, right? My ARV is 1.4, right? And let's say I'm back in our 6% commission plus my tax withholding 1.25. I am netting about 24%. That's a quarter million. That sounds great. But, but here's the thing. <laughs> let's say I'm stuck with this property, right? Uh -huh. So I'm, I'm calculating a passive income model 
to show it to the, the new investors who are going to buy this at 1.4 million because I need to provide them a solution, right? So I'm going to legalize the extended unit in the back with ADU conversion, legalize it, and turn into this duplex going to be a seven-bedroom. Let's say I'm running at $75 a night for, the, the, for the, the biggest room and everything else at a low rate, $69 a night, and you see my daily rate is... My ADR is about 509, and let's say I'm only running at 70% occupancy, and that's about 24 days in a month. Um, I'm monthly income, my gross is about $12,000. My gross is about 146,000 uh, annually, right? So I'm plugging this into my calculations, my calculator. So for someone to buy at 1.4, I'm in it, my cost basis about 1.1. I'm netting, I'm grossing about 146, but I'm netting about 82,000. That's backing out my property tax, my property management fee, my Airbnb management fee, all these things, right? I'm backing out everything. And from 146, I'm netting about 82,000, mm -hmm. okay? And let's say in year one, I'm invested 1.1 million in year five. From year one to year five, I'm, I'm netting, let's say, 82,000 uh, a year. Plus in year five, I'm exiting at 1.4, which is I'm selling at 1.4. Okay, my cap rate is basically at 5.9. My IRR now is 10%. In that five years, I'm actually making $714,000. That sounds awesome. And that's including my NOI plus my exit price, my yeah. sales net, net sales proceed, right? So that's the calculation. That's how I look at this real estate investment in five years. But let's say, you know, I'm really going to sell this property to someone at 1.4 today. Real right? quick, how are you financing this property? Right now, I'm using a cash-on-cash cash calculations. I, I mean, like... Do you have 1.1 or using like hard money or? A couple of things, I can always use uh, a private money lender, okay? Uh, and let's say I'm using private money lender at, a um, bunch of people put a fund together or whatever it is at 8%, for example, mm -hmm. okay? If I calculate at 8%, I'm netting that much every year, but if you see really in five years, I only make that much total because I got a big interest to pay. Mm. Okay? Yep. Uh, or how about, how about after you doing it 8% at first two years and then refinance, because now you got 24 months proof of income, right? So I actually can do that, and now my performance is higher. Okay, makes sense. So um, you can actually do use other people's money private money lender at 8%, keep it for two years, perform it at $82,000 net annually, and use that and refinance it. If you go back to your old spreadsheet, you have seven actual rooms renting for about you know, 75 to 89 bucks. Mm -hmm. How feasible is it to actually rent out all seven rooms to individual people in a night? Very feasible. Really? Yes. And that's going into uh, the market study analysis that we do, we go into that area. We're going to see what's available in that area, how nice all rooms comparing to what's available on the market. And what's crazy that I want to share with you this is that 80% um, of people running their Airbnb and corporate housing, or just mostly Airbnb, uh, right now are amateur. Yeah, like me. <laughs> and those are the people that I compete with. Okay. Why am I saying you're amateur? Number one, um, you don't have a cleaning company. Nope. Okay. Uh, you're trying to do a lot of things yourself. Um, you don't have a pricing optimization system, okay? Your price is whatever you use smart prices on Airbnb, you kind of leave one there. And you probably only syndicate with, with just one channel with Airbnb. You're not on like five, six, seven, eight other different channel. You know, you're missing out VRBO, you're missing out Home Away, you're missing out uh, uh, Booking.com, Expedia. Booking.com is huge, right? So that's how we increase our occupancy by running our price differences, right? Um, 
And how about last minute bookers, right? On that day off. And if you just on Airbnb, if your price don't drop down and, and attractive enough for someone to book on that day, you have vacancy. Okay, we're trying to minimize the vacancy and, and maximize the, 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 the ADR, which is a, average day rate. Um, so that's, that's what we're going after. Okay. And, and guess what? In this business, in this arena, we're competing with 80% amateur. Yeah, so it's easy if you have everything set up and you're smooth. And you have like you know, top, whatever, super host, instant booking, that kind of stuff, right? You know what? To be honest, we don't really care much about super host. Okay. Um, what Superhost is, it's just a title. You're a Superhost. But what's limited you from is I can't cancel that guest. If I cancel that guest, I lose that Superhost. Mm. Yeah. So right now, we're focusing on is the service and the quality. You know, sometimes if a guest, we, we, you know, we, we have an instant book. But if the guest that we know that maybe, you know, have a bad review or anything like that, we will cancel them. I see. Yeah, I'm sorry. We, 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 we have reserve our right. We can cancel you. Mm. I saw your staging cost is only three thousand bucks too. How do you get that? I've heard quotes from like you know ten thousand dollars in staging for. That we we have a lot of staging material. We own a lot of furniture. When you do so much property, you start to own a furniture store on your own. Nice. <laughs> so we buy our furniture at a very low cost. Um, we buy them on a wholesale website, and we're cutting out all the stores, and uh, we we just use them purely for property. But staging only if we resell it. You know, if we resell the property. But my cost for startup and Airbnb is like thirty grand, and I, I show you that number. Oh, okay, so it is thirty grand to like finish the whole house. Got it. Yeah, yeah. So let me see. So that goes into what, like super nice beds? Correct. Very comfortable. Thirty grand's crazy though, right? Yeah, I tell you a lot more than I thought. We we use nice quality material. Yeah. You know the linen, or when you come to some of our homes, you you feel like you're at a hotel. Okay. And definitely better than motel. So you basically have one person per bedroom, right? Not like yeah. two per room. No, we, have, we do have some two per room. Okay. Yeah. I know some other people, they have models where it's like four per room, 15 per house. Is there a reason why you don't try to do that and just shove a bunch of people into one home? Well, we have some model like that, but we like what well, our model is right now. is a hybrid model, meaning we have private room and we have beds outside. That way, um, people still feel you know, that they have that privacy and they're still living in a common, like, co-living space but they, they have their own privacy. Okay. And we, we learned that we get better booking that way. People extend their stay more often, um, and we get better ADR. ADR meaning average daily rate? Yeah. Okay, cool. How often do you have your cleaners coming to the home? Every day. Really? Yeah. So I, yep, I, uh, I keep it clean every day because, number one, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a clean person and OCD sometimes, and I hate it when I come into the house that is dirty. So I have my cleaner run through all our properties every day. Okay, keep them busy. At least coming here, yeah, we got to keep them busy. Um, so we recoup the cost for the cleaners based on the check-in and check-out. And we have any one that extended stay like more than two weeks or more than a month, we ask them to do at least more cleaning visit. Uh, we also have a cleaning on-demand service so they can actually... Uh, you know, fetch out for a cleaning service and we send someone out to clean new sheet, new towel, things like that for them. But at the end of the day, we want to provide a clean space. So the common area always clean, the kitchen, the bathroom, all those always clean. So say again, every single day they're visiting those houses and they're cleaning the common areas, but in the private rooms, it's only when they check in and check out. Correct. Okay, got it. So you're not changing the bed sheets every single day because that'd be pretty nuts. No, no. All right. What do you think is the pros and cons of your business model? The pro is, of course, you're now creating, you know, very 
I would say statistics back, or I would say, uh, I would say tracker workers back, uh, very high producing passive income. You know what I mean? Um, and it would be very attractive to the real estate investor when you have this type of tracker records, like I can produce this much. Um, and the con is, it's actually consuming all your time. There's a lot of work involved. We have to have a big team. We have to have professionals on, on staff. Um, so really, it's a, it's a volume game. Yeah, I can see that, especially if you're cleaning that property every single day. Yeah. Yeah, and we figured out a couple of ways here and there to cut down the cleaning costs or adding up cleaning income. We have coin-operated laundry machines that goes to all the property, and we recoup some of that income, um, and or utility costs, whatnot. And I see a lot of Airbnb, they just let people use the washer and dryer freely. When we don't do that in our properties, we collect the income from that. Okay, and is that like a separate company that you just rent their coin-operated no, machines? We you just, have your own. We just buy them. I didn't even know you could buy them. Where do you buy them from? Surprisingly, you can buy them at Lowe's. Really? <laughs> okay. Did not know that Lowe's has them. Lowe's are Home Depot. They got with them. the coin operated. Maybe a credit card one too. Oh, credit cards would be too expensive. You don't need that much. I see. Okay. Do you have any advice for any new investors? Like I say, really understand your motivation and what you want and look at it at a five-year time frame in case you get stuck. You know what I mean? And, you know, if you're really in it for the passive income, it's a different calculation. You see the way we calculate our passive income. If you're in it for a quick, you know, hit and run like a like a flip, then you know, really, what value do you bring? Right? I think real estate flipping right now is all about what value do you bring to the table? Are you adding additional square footage? Are you making more efficiency efficient spaces? Um, are you legalizing some of the you know illegal unit things like that? And I think these are money maker right now. If you're going in a cost of construction anywhere between 260 to 300 square foot, and you go into the area that you know resales value 800 to eight uh, to a thousand, you still can make some money. And I say real estate flipping market been around for years. People just jump on the wagon in the last three five years, um, but really the money making is always bringing the value to the table. Absolutely, um, and being and able to hold on to your property, correct? If you get it, exactly. Because actually, you know, like some other meetups I go to they would show case studies. Like, here, this is my project, and I made X amount of dollars. And they say, okay, let's see what it's worth today. And same property, they didn't flip it, but you just hold on to it an extra two or three years. Right. And the price increased by like $500,000. So. Exactly. Actually, and, and that's because you're lucky. And that's because you're lucky. Yeah. Yeah. And what if the market doesn't jump up that much in the next three to five years? Then what? Your carrying costs, your opportunity costs, Right. You have a carrying cost, whatever interest rate you're paying, or let's say you own it cash, cash on cash. Well, your opportunity cost, that 500000 could be performing at X amount of dollars for you right now. Oh, I know. So a lot of people don't think that way. No. Um, they don't think of their opportunity cost. They, what they're also wasting is their time. You know plus, what I mean? no one goes into a deal thinking they're going to lose money. Nope. It's, it's funny. Always because like, oh, always, what's the possibilities? They're invincible, right? And I think back in, I see some people do something to flip, man. I'm like, man, that's cool. It's nice. It's pretty. You know, you, you may look really nice, but how much are you into it? Yeah. How much you bought it for? How much you're in it already? And what's your carrying cost compared to how much you're going to get at the ARV? And I'm like, you, you're not really performing that well. No. You know what I mean? So right now, there's a lot of real estate flippers like that, and they really need to educate themselves all really in the mindset and discipline, right? It doesn't mean you're doing 10 flip. You know, all you need is just a few flip. So right now, the challenging is, you know, um, what kind of value you're adding. And, and that's how you make the money. That's true. So conversely, where are you seeing people failing the most? Uh, just a miscalculation. Uh, you know, they, they're, they're too e 
Because sometimes, like, you know, you're in the flip world, I know. Sometimes when people bring you a deal and, you, number one, you're hungry or, number two, you just working with the investor and money, whatever it is, you got to keep on moving. Yeah, you got to crew that you got to feed, mm-hmm. right? And they're expensive too. They're expensive. Or if you don't feed them, they jump onto the next deal and you got you, you have a hard time. You ever run into that problem where yep. you're like, hey, we, 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 I got a deal coming up. Oh, I'm stuck with this project. Give me two months. Yep. I'm like, well, two months going to cost me 15 grand. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's the type of thing that you're, you got to keep going. And that's why people still keep doing deals. You know, they, they do 10 deals and 20 deals. Or, and then they just got to keep on feeding all their guys. And, and I think at the end of the day, you got to calculate all that. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Give yourself some room with multiple exit strategy. Create value that someone else buying it from you and they still have a chance to make money. Yep. We need some meat on the bone. Some meat on the bone. Correct. Because the the buyers are smarter now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They are very smart. And, you know, they, you know, you walk into a bad flip, you know, right away. You know what I mean? Hey, you you did a, you know, what what do you call it? Make your mouth work on it. (laughs) And um, so those type of things that buyers are smarter. They're taking their time now, uh, even though the inventory is, is the same from last year, whatever it is. The number just picky, man. They complain yeah. about everything. Yeah, I yeah. see it. So, so you got to add more value. Okay. That's the only thing. So what are some actionable steps that someone could take if they want to do what you're doing? Educate yourself on the market, the current market, and learn how to build value. And so really educate yourself on that. Like I, I didn't know how to look at an investment in a five-year snapshot, so I went into class for it. I, I went and studied it and understand, you know, how money works, right? Because you got to understand your opportunity cost. You got to understand your, your carrying cost, your cash on cash. So what the guy want to do, what we do, um, they really got to spend some really good time investing in that before they play with someone else's money. Right. So you would recommend, you know, besides learning it, if they want to get some hands-on experience, maybe go on Airbnb itself, look at some diameter of where you are, do the comparative market analysis by seeing what's the daily rate here, and then trying to build a model just like what you have to see Correct. how much can you make based on how much rooms and blah, 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 blah. Not everyone when Airbnb makes money, so you got to really run it, um, you know, tight calculations, right? And again, really for me is that you, you we, we, we went into some trial and error. We make some mistake along the line, uh, and we adjust, we modify, and that's how we came up with that GPH hybrid model. You know what I mean? We, we want to sell to corporate, but we also want to make higher return. Right, so so that's something that, um, if you're gonna get into this, I would say you know try it, you know, be patient, and uh, try, learn as much as you possibly can. So uh, if we do a quick example, like, let's say I have a property, Santa Clara. How do I check both the daily rate or the corporate rate? Because I don't think Airbnb has like a corporate they don't. website. So they do don't. You do that? So you can go and there's a lot of websites that you can actually you can Google um, corporate housing, and there's a bunch of companies picked up. And you can go in and manually plug in um, the search for the zip code in that area and see how much a month um, that property is going for. Look, um, check with the city, you know, what kind of ordinance they have, what kind of regulation that they have. Check with HOA. If you fall into the HOA, some SFR, some single-family home have HOA, and HOA have a, an ordinance or a regulation as stupid as no parking overnight. Gotta make sure you know that. When you walk into, when you drive to a property you just picked up and you see the click, the streak is so clean, like there's no car, hey, raise the flag. What's going on? 
You know what I mean? So got to be an HOA. So I learned that from mistake as well. You know, going to the property thinking that we can just do it freely, but there's no parking overnight. By midnight, no one, no car can be there. So where are your guests going to park? Right? So that's, that's some lose of income right there. And um, do, do all that due diligence um, if you're going to go with that model. I see. Is, is there a city in particular that you like or dislike because of their ordinances? Like, stay away from this city because blah, blah, blah. Well, um, definitely, if any city you're going in with, like, rent control plus an Airbnb ordinance, you definitely got to really understand, you know, that model have to work for you there. Like, city of Berkeley or Oakland, anything like that, you have rent control and you have, um, you know, 30-day-plus type of rental only. Then you got to really calculate based on that. In 30-day-plus rental, you got to calculate your occupancy rate. Do you really get 50%, 60%? And let's just say based on 50 or 60% occupancy out of the year, is that enough income for you to run this business or compare that to a long-term rental, okay? Uh, if a long-term rental, what's the benefit, right? What's the disadvantage? Um, the disadvantage is, you know, cost of repairs and, and cost of vacancy and things like that. You calculate all that and do a side-by-side comparison, which I have that in my Excels, um, you know, then I can easily see um, which is the best model to go. Okay, makes sense. I have an Excel for everything. Well, yeah, that's what you have to do, right? <laughs> Underwriting is the most important part of real estate investing. And the problem is everyone underwrites things a little bit differently. Right. So there's no... It is like, all based on the investor motivation. That's true, too. What's, what's your motivation? Yeah. You see, your yield can be higher or lower than mine, but you're looking to hopefully in five years move into that home, right? Or and vice versa, right? Five years to sell it or... To, to, to flip it, however it is. So I think in real estate investment is really understand the motivation. And if you're in it to make a quick profit, add value. Add value tangibly. That way you can get a better resale value yeah. because the investor can appreciate that. The next person that buy your property can appreciate that. Yeah, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's all the questions I have for you today. Do you have anything else you'd like to say? Uh, no, but um, we have a couple of class coming up. In uh, March 15th, which is this Friday, um, we're going to be at Silicon City doing a same exactly what we're doing now, but I'm going to, I'm going to be break it down in depth of uh, you know learning, understanding the the, the calculations uh, and how to maximize passive income based on the model that we talked about. And I think March 26th is with you at the meetups, right? Yep. Yeah. So I have a couple more that I'm lining up, and I'll share that information online somewhere. Okay, sounds good. Cool. How can people get in contact with you? Uh, they can always hit me up to um, my uh, IG handle is Silicon Valley Realtor. I check that very often. They can just always email me, drop me a line. It's evan.hun at kw.com. You want to spell that for everybody? Uh, E-V-A-N dot H-U-Y-N-H at kw.com. Or you can, they can check us out on our sloppy website, gopoppyhop.com. <laughs> it will make it nice real soon, don't worry. Oh, man, I need a website developer. We're so busy that we know it looks bad, but a website that we have now is just mainly for people to just kind of go up and see who we are. Yeah, I mean, you don't need it unless you really need it, right? So yeah. don't put too much effort into that. Correct. So I'm like, ah, move on. We're super busy right now. We're underwriting property left and right. Um, we have real estate agents that come to us, want us to run the numbers from earlier. You walked in right before that. A real estate agent say, I got this property, I got this property. And they want us to run the numbers for them to see whether or not they can recommend this buyer. So, uh, you know, my model is how do I help real estate agents create more sales by adding value? Yeah. I mean, it works great for you too because then you're like, look, when you sell it, use us as your management company. Correct. And it's easy for them. They're like, okay, cool. 
Yeah, so we set up on property management number to, to manage our own assets, but also to manage for others as well. Um, and we will we'll let them know right away whether or not they're the one they buy and it's going to work out or not. So we kind of go there and kind of underwrite it. Um, at this point, I'm still going to every single property to kind of assess it to make sure that we hit the numbers that we project to do. Otherwise, if you're going to go into that and you end up going back to long-term rental and you're paying way too much, uh, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And I'm trying not to put anyone in that position um, because I know I wouldn't like that. How big is your team right now? We have over 10 people. Jeez. Yeah. What kind of roles do they have? I have a, so I have different departments. I have a level one support. Uh, so this is where the guest communications, I have two people on the level one um, that they can ask like questions about booking and things like that. Um, and I have level two support and level two support I have both in um, basically logistics. One person is in charge of logistics and, and op price optimizations and descriptions and what's going on, so and so. And I have one person, and that's one about three people in that department, and it is the operating manager. He's going around to make sure that all the property is being fixed, everything is on point, all property is. And so this is a difference between long term and short term rental, and especially managing by us. We don't defer any maintenance. If something goes wrong, we fix it right away. You know, the, 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 the number one thing happened with long-term rentals is that people don't care. It's not their home. You know, if something leaking or something decoloring, they don't care. It's not their home. They'll take care of it later. You know what I mean? They're too busy doing their own things. And then a year later, you end up tearing down the whole wall and rebuild and so-and-so, and their security deposit is not enough to fix the whole thing. And it's not really their fault. You know, yes, they, they dirty the property, but it's not really their fault. They really defer the magnets. Man, I had a property that... Like we make like twenty two thousand long term rental as a duplex on the one side we make like twenty two thousand a year, but after two years I spend over thirty thousand trying to get that tenant out by evictions and repairs and remodel it cost me tons of money, and I'm negative in two years. Yep. So uh, for me I think um, that's why we have a, a a person that run that department to make sure all the property are being taken care of and it's fixed and if it's anything caused by the the guests we take it up to Airbnb or any booking channels and go against their insurance and get that money back for the landlord. Gotcha. Are these people local or are they all like VAs from? Uh, we have some local. We have some VA. Okay. But like, yeah. like level one support, level two support. They're, they're VA. Okay. So probably level three, the op managers, those are local people. Level right? three is me going out there and saying, <laughs> say, saying sorry and deliver a bottle of wine. That happened a couple of times. Nice. <laughs> so we have some executives staying at our uh, luxury uh, Airbnb loft and you know, we screwed up on the internet, wherever it is, and because the ISP supposed to go out and replace the internet, and we couldn't get it out fast enough, and he couldn't get work done. So I'm like, shoot, I'm sorry, it's not my fault, it's Comcast, but, you know, I'm going to stop by, you know, drop a bottle of wine, say sorry. Nice. He ended up dropping us five-star review and booking it with us again. So how long have you been doing this again? Eight months? Eight months. Okay. Yeah. Slowly growing. How, how, how big is it growing? We're how fast? We grow fast. It's not slow, we're growing fast. So how many properties do you think are you managing right now? Um... Uh, on management side, we're our portfolio is over fifty million in real estate assets. Okay. And on the short term side, we're running about forty two listing right now. Forty two. Yeah. One account. One account. Jeez. And that's just beginning. Or yeah, you just started eight months ago. Yeah. And uh, our goal is to get to um, fifty poppy by the end of this year, and that will put us anywhere close to I would say four to five hundred listing, and that's equivalent to. Maybe a couple, couple Hiltons. Oh, do you want to explain that? Because you said you had 42 listings now. So, but you don't in, have that many properties. In, so. in the wholesale world, they, call, they count the rooms. 
Got right? it. So you have a in Airbnb, we count by the listing. Ah,、uh-huh. got it. Because each listing can be one bed, and that can be in a living room with four bunk beds. Okay. You see what I mean? Yeah.、Um, but it's all come down to ADR, right?、Uh, what's my average daily rate? So for this example, you have seven different rooms. Do you have seven different listings for here, or do you just have here's a generic bedroom? It's seven generic- different rooms, and I have eight listing. I have one listing for each room, and then one listing for the whole house. Ah, and it knows to sync like okay. Yep. This, our our this system does everything. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Our AI will basically compute and know the availability, and know the price, and know the availability in the area, and know how to raise the price smartly. Nice. So a lot of work behind it. We actually the first, I would say the business that we have now just started about four months ago. The first four months really, the back end setting it up, setting it up the back end and、yeah. hiring a company and end up letting them go and and and, and then go with a different company, and, and and you know the bandwidth, you know and the scalability of that channel management company. So we want to work with a company that has you know it's the same same vision as us <laughs> to scale it.、Um, so that's what who we're working with right now. And so this is your main strategy right now. You're not focused on anything else, just making this thing grow. It is funny. Whatever I'm doing right now, I'm focusing on now. I'm actually creating more flips and sales. I'm sure. Yeah. Right. So, Anytime you interact with people in general, they will offer you more opportunities. For, for me, in real estate investment, it's always been.、Uh, I never have. I never focus so much on going find a client. I focus more finding deals. So if I have a good deal. I say, Sean, if you can give me a million and I'll make you ten percent in four months, you know, then, then it's easy for me to go out and find five Sean to willing to follow me, invest with me, just keep bringing in the deals, because the people that's smarter than us, and probably have a lot more money than us, they're busy doing their own thing. It's your job to find the deals. That's right. Money is actually pretty easy, especially here in the Bay Area. They have so much. So it's your job to find a deal. It's not your job to find investors. You、uh-huh. find a deal, the investor will come. So that's something that I find that the more I focus on the deals, the, the more I focus on adding value, the more that I focus on having system in place to support that value, my investors just come. Yep. And right now, it's just a matter of me pick and choose who I want to work with.、Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <clears throat> so that's 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 where we're at today. So how are you finding? I would say these deals. Are you talking directly to sellers? I'm talking to everybody, real estate agents. We're、um, everyone. Yeah, you're just looking for meetups, off market. I mean, you're basically looking for flips without thinking about flipping them, right? I'm looking for a flip to add value, and we have multiple exit strategy. If I hold on to it in the next five years. What's my IRR? What's my cap rate for now? And、uh, if I sell it today, you know, what's my cap rate and my IRR? How well the money is going to perform for me with debt service and things like that? How am I going to do in five years? And let's say in five years the value didn't go up, or I go up by twenty-five percent or ten percent, whatever it is. You know, what's my net present value? What? How much I'm actually really making in that five years?、Mm. You know what I mean? So that's something that I think. You all have to understand. You know what I mean? Because what if you take that net present value and divide it by the hours that you're actually putting into this project? How much now you worth? Yep. Right. So, so that's something that I I, I look at everything. I look at all the numbers. Sometimes people throw me projects and I'm like, oh, it's a good project. I'm like, cool. And I plug in the numbers. Like, ah,、oh, okay. 
It works for someone else, but not me. I mean, I like how you say about having different exit strategies. I think it's very important. You have to have multiple exit strategy. Um, you probably too young to being in the market during the time where we lost everything. No, but I'm feeling it right now. Yeah, and it could happen to anyone. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like back in 2005 and six, right? And and all of a sudden, boom. You know, it's like you're selling life insurance and all your clients die at the same time. Yeah. Right? It's like no one buying. You have a product, no one buying. And you're stuck with carrying costs. You're stuck with, um, you know, author obligations. And the craziest thing is your reserves that you thought you had, that also shrinks too. And the smarter decision at the time is probably the most logical or the most solution that you can is to let go everything, right? And when you let go everything, you gotta start over. So I think right now you really gotta think that. So right now, that's, I think that's where I'm today because I've been through that and I'm fortunate enough to have been through that first cycle. Um, and that's the first cycle that I really experienced because you know, some people have been through multiple cycles and real estate kind of tend to repeat itself in a different form. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just gotta learn from it. So now the next cycle come, I, I know how to capitalize it. Absolutely. So, so I think that's something that you just gotta learn from it you know what I mean? And figure it out. So you got when you come into the investment, you gotta have multiple exit strategy. Right. You can't just bank on one because not every day is a sunny day. Yep. I mean, I like your strategy because look, you are actually net positive with this uh, short-term rental model, mm-hmm. which means that hey, worse come worse, you just hold on. To and it. I calculate everything. I calculate. Yeah, that's net. That's net everything. I calculate vacancy. I calculate repair. I calculate the toilet paper that we buying. Yeah, that's a cost. Right, my my daily recurring costs. So I'm calculating everything to arrive to a decision that I think is worthwhile for our town. Mm-hmm. And I'm delivering that to the investor and say, this is how detailed I am. Right, the, your real estate agent, your real estate advisor, calculate any of this, or they just look at your all your quotes. You right. know what I mean? And um, and things like that. I think at the end of the day, the real estate investor sit down with you and they appreciate you for that. Right? There's no surprises. Mm-hmm. Cool, man. Cool. Um, thank you very much for all the information that you gave us. Definitely a lot. Here are some of the key takeaways from speaking with Edin. Use the short-term rentals or corporate housing strategy to increase your cash flow. And you can either try to do it yourself or you can partner with a short-term rental property management group like Evans to do it for you. And like Evan said, one of the main downsides is that it's extremely time intensive and you need a lot of listings to scale. 80% of the people on these platforms are amateurs. If you dedicate yourself in the business and you do the right things, you will be successful. Getting the super host designation isn't that important. So focus on the service and quality so that people will come back. Make sure you spend the money and buy nice furniture to make it feel like a hotel. And there are two things that you need to watch out for. One, be careful with your calculations. Don't be too hungry or eager for a deal or you'll make mistakes. And two, you need to learn all about your local city ordinances before getting into the business and focus on one area first, one city that you believe in. Remember, the way to make money is to add value. Don't defer your maintenance, take care of all issues ASAP. And most importantly, focus on getting deals. If you have deals, the money will come. Heck, I'll even do a deal with you. The numbers look great. I hope you all learned a lot. Thanks, and have a great day. This was another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star rating. It'll take less than a second and it'll help a lot. 
You can contact me at seanpanrealty at gmail.com. That's S-E-A-N-P-A-N-R-E-A-L-T-Y at gmail.com. Thanks, and have a great day.